It's Good Friday in New York City. A lot of people were thinking about Easter, traveling, visiting relatives. Holy Saturday is tomorrow. And for Catholics, obviously, it's a, it's a day of getting together with family, like myself. Um, today, I spent the day with my brother, who I hadn't seen in a few years, as he and his wife came into the city. We wandered about, we looked about, and he remarked that he couldn't understand how the Uber drivers in New York City could still make money with the rates that were being charged, especially with the high cost of fuel and oil and other expenses. Just think about that. Oil is a major problem, the price of it. It is driving everything else up. Of course, there are those who say, well, this is part of the price that we have to pay because they want a totally carbon-free economy. You can't have a totally carbon-free economy. You cannot have a totally carbon-free economy. You will use some carbons. Why? Carbon fiber is what most electric vehicles are made more components out of than steel in many instances. Oil is still needed to lubricate wheels and gears within electric motors. There has to be some kind of lubrication. Otherwise, the motors will wear out. You still need to have bearings that work within those magnetos. And for those magnetos not to wear out very quickly, what do you use? Oil. It's the lubricant that makes things run. Sure, you could make it from other things. You could use cashew oil, for example, or so-called castor oil. You could use other things as well. But those often do not work as well as what is out there. And let's not forget, anyone who's ever been in a Tesla will tell you, there's a heck of a lot of plastic used in a Tesla and in most other cars today. It reduces weight. And guess where plastic comes from? Oil. Yes, some of it is recycled, but not all of it. You're still going to have to produce it. And by the way, the roads, that's asphalt. Again, oil. So you see, you can't have a carbon neutral society anymore because in order to do a lot of the things that even if there were an electric-based economy, as far as transportation goes, you would still need the oil to be able to function. Senator Jerry Morin of Kansas talked about that recently in a press event at the United States Senate when Republican senators came out and were questioning the, you know, completely ridiculous blame that Joe Biden and his administration continues to play on what is essentially a pathetic excuse for the price increase blame. You see, the Biden administration wants to blame everything on Vladimir Putin. They call it the so-called price increase. But it actually, it's not, it may be a factor, but it's a very minor factor. Prices were going up long before the war in Ukraine. Prices were going up 
and energy shortfalls were happening and gas prices soaring almost as soon as Joe Biden came into office. It's as if that's what he wanted. You see, he has to reward his supporters, among them people like the Ukrainian government, who are oil-rich, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and others, who, let's not forget, know how, in certain ways, to put money into the candidates they back in the United States. Anyway, let's listen to Jerry Morin, whose state, Kansas, produces a lot of the food we have in our American economy, food and feed grains that are used to feed cattle, chickens, you know, those things that are important, like hogs, because pork, chicken, or poultry as it's called, and beef are still the main staples of food for most Americans. Well, not anymore. And that's another thing we can blame on Joe Biden. Why? Because the price of fertilizers have also began to soar. Why? Because we don't produce that anymore in the United States. Why? Because of incredibly asinine and completely irrelevant regulations that are just piled upon regulations that are just piled upon more bureaucratic red tape that just move, make any production of anything in the United States almost impossible. You know, one of the funniest things that you will find is for decades in Ontario, Canada, there were protests of anger where all of these Canadian cities and towns you know, from Mississauga to Fort Erie, all the way up to Toronto, we're complaining about acid rain. And they blamed the factories that were on the American side that were hurting their farms on the opposite side of the river. The opposite side of the Niagara River, to be exact. Well, after all those factories were shut down on the American side, from Buffalo to Niagara Falls, from Erie, Pennsylvania, and all the way up, because of all the complaints from the Canadians and lawsuits as well, Guess what happened? The factory suddenly opened on the Canadian side. Believe it or not, the Canadians make most of the same items and produce probably more pollution doing it by doing it in their own soil. But it's created so much jobs and wealth on that side of the border because it comes to our side as finished products. Yep, y'all were duped. And you allowed yourself to be duped. I'm not saying there wasn't a need for better pollution standards in those places. There probably was. But there was also a lot of stupidity. And probably a lot of money changing hands as well. To make sure that factories were closed on our side of the border. And open on the Canadian side. And you can ask a guy like Chuck Schumer. He probably knows. Because you have to remember. They don't call him Checkbook Chucky for nothing. Again, let's go over to Jerry Morin of Kansas as he talks about oil prices and the pathetic posturing and poverty pushed by the Biden administration's policies. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, the price of gas is a huge component in the cost of living of Kansans and Americans, and it's done nothing except go up. Uh, about a dollar and eight cents more uh, in the first year of the Biden administration. Uh, and it's related to the policies of this administration. 
It's the fact that uh, the Keystone Pipeline, it's the fact that no more leases, it's just, it's one thing after another with a belief that uh, electricity is going to solve our transportation problems. You know, oil and gas is produced in the United States. Unfortunately, many of the components necessary for electric powered vehicles is produced in places around the globe that are off limits and are our adversaries. We have homegrown solutions to our energy challenges and this administration is refusing to accept or pursue any of them. So I would have thought there's lots of things to be shake one head at, one's head at in Washington, D.C. Common sense, not necessarily politics, would tell us that at a time in which inflation, of which the price of oil and gas is a huge component, common sense, not politics, just common sense, even political common sense that would say how to satisfy Americans, the voters would say, let's produce more oil and gas in the U.S. But no, the, the administration's first choice was let's ask Russia to produce more. If you're really worried about the climate aspect of oil and gas production, why would you not want oil and gas to be produced in the United States where we refine our crude into gasoline in a much more environmentally sound way than any place else in the world? If you're really worried about oil and gas, why would you encourage Russia to increase their production? Uh, then we face the, the national security aspect. So just common sense tells us to fight inflation. Let's produce our own energy. Instead, every policy of this administration is to discourage, to decrease that opportunity. And then evil Vladimir Putin in, invades Ukraine. So now for our national security. I thought, well, the Biden administration didn't do anything for inflation, for Americans, for Kansans, and the price at the pump. Is it only the price at the pump? That's a very small portion of the consequences of high gas and oil prices. Fertilizer to grow crops in Kansas is significantly made from components of natural gas. All the things that are produced in this country often, almost without exception, involve petroleum products. Everything goes up when the price of oil goes up. So one would have thought, well, the administration didn't do what they should have done to combat inflation. But now we have a national security challenge. Surely in this circumstance, we'll decide that we're going to help Europe meet its needs. We'll better meet our needs. We wouldn't deplete our emergency supplies of oil at a time of national defense crises. But no, the administration chooses to go to Venezuela, to Iran. Let's look at those countries to help us out in a national security crisis. Once again, the administration has this totally wrong in a very dangerous way. Now it's not just the cost of living, it's also our national security and the lives of Ukrainians and the jeopardy of Europeans, because we continue to fund Russia, Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine. This is the craziness of that, that one would hope we'd never see in a country that has the ability to meet its needs and help our allies, has the ability to do something about the price at the pump and the price of fertilizer and the price of products across the shelves of grocery stores and hardware stores of Kansas in the country but for this strange reason of trying to satisfy the far left and the environmental uh, extremists. We can't do anything that makes. This administration refuses to do the things that make just common sense to Kansans and Americans.
It's time for us to become energy independent again by utilizing all of the above options that we have to produce energy for America and the world in America. Kansas Senator Jerry Morin talking about the needs of Kansas and Americans as far as oil and natural gas are concerned, as far as issues that really need to be addressed, as far as energy supplies that could easily have been handled by a Biden administration that has failed along with his party due to, well, let's put it plainly, a type of governance that is just <laughs> pathetic when it comes over to this situation. Now, there's more that's happening at the Senate and there's more that is being talked about. For example, it is a need, for example, to deal with the complete problem of how some government overreach in California is affecting other states. And it is a problem. It is a problem that completely creates a problem. You know, over in the House of Representatives, last week, you had, you know, some people like Doug LaMalfa speak about the supply chain problems and issues that are being hurt primarily across the United States because of over-regulation by Gruesome Gavin Newsom and his complete disregard of the situation across the United States that is affected by policies that he wants to implement in a utopian binge probably caused much like the munchies and other drug problems related to those people who partake too much. Anyway, here's Doug Lamafa about it. Yes, he's a Republican from California and he's a congressman. Mr. Lamalfa for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Um, I've been speaking a little bit lately about our supply chain issues and the effects of inflation on real Americans, real families, and talk a lot about uh, food grown in this country and the effects of um, some of the decisions made by government on the ability to grow food, and especially in my home state of California, which affects so much of the supply chain for fruits, vegetables, nut products that uh, the whole country and even the world export market enjoys and uses. So what we're wrestling with right now is decisions made by federal and state agencies on the effects of water supply in California and the ripple effect that has on so many products. So for example, Earlier this year, a decision was made to withdraw what is called a TUCP, a Temporary Urgency Change Petition, for the amount of water that would be flowing from our storage in California out through the Delta into the Pacific. This is geared towards how much water is going to be there for Delta salinity and for fish habitat situations in the Delta and upstream somewhat. 
So there was an opportunity back in December, January to curtail some of the water flows that were coming out of limited storage we already have in this state, in California, mainly Shasta Dam and Oroville Dam. This on the heels of drought last year. Lake Oroville, for example, hit its lowest number ever. It didn't even make hydropower for the first time in 50 years because the lake was so low. So decisions were made based on a pretty decent amount of rainfall in October and quite a bit of rain and snowpack in December to withdraw what was called the TUCP, the Temporary Urgency Change Petition, which would have the ability to let less water out through the Delta and a little less for the salinity and fish habitat issues. By the way, the fish, one of the ones we're talking about is called the Delta smelt. They haven't found one in what they call trawls looking for the fish in three years. They're per, per, pretty much non-existent, yet we're still allowing hundreds of thousands of acre feet of precious water to go out through the bay to somehow try and mitigate that situation. So they decided to withdraw the change petition, the TUCP, a decision made on January 21 to say, we're going to go ahead and let the water flow at a higher level than is necessary and water will be trickling out of our dams, out of our storage at a rate much more than is needed for a perception of salinity or fish. So at the time when we're looking at drought in California, low water supplies, and all the unrest we have in the world food supply chain, Hungary, for example, is not going to export grain this year. Russia and Ukraine had been world market participants in in grain, especially Ukraine. Ukraine is a very, very rich country in wheat and many other ag products. And their farmers right now are out there trying to plant a crop amidst all the bombs being dropped upon them by Russia. God bless them. But farmers in this country are having their bombs dropped on them by federal and state agencies, taking their water away. So at a point where we could have curtailed a little bit of the water going out through the Delta and kept it for ag use, to grow rice, to grow almonds, to grow olives, to grow tomatoes, many things that we need, they decided on January 21, nah, we're just gonna let the water go out the same rate. So at, at that point, Lake Shasta was only at 35% of its capacity. Lake Orville was only at 45% of its capacity. And they thought, well, we're going to bank on the idea that more rain is going to come uh, post-January 21 up until maybe April 1, when historically the rainfall ta tapers off. So these lakes are both well under half full. They said, ah, we've got plenty of water because we had a massive amount of rain and snow in December. I mean, <laughs> they left the baby, they threw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, in, in making this decision because anybody could have seen that we need to keep every drop in those lakes that's coming in in there to build them up. Now, had they reached the flood stage, you know, where they have to allow a buffer of, what, of space in the dams to, per, to provide for flood control, which is approximately about 850 feet of elevation in Oroville at about, I'm gonna guess about 70, 75% of capacity, they're well below that. They thought, oh, we're gonna have so much water coming in that uh, we'll meet these marks. Well, guess what? The rain did not come in the latter part of January or February or March, and now we're in the first few days of April. 
And so here, here at this point, Gentleman's time has expired. we're going to be short on food, short on water, and they're just now thinking about putting the TUCP in here in early April. Very short-sighted and appalling. I yield back. Notice how the uh, speaker uh, who is sitting in for the lady from California kind of pounds the gavel right away and says, got to stop this topic, even though we're still about 20 seconds left in his five minutes. But that's being technical. Again, that was Congressman Doug LaMalfa. So think about that. Incompetence when it comes to fuel and energy production and throwing out water supply that can be needed to reduce the price of food as you go to the grocery on this holy week. You buy rice, you buy whatever other things you're buying. Think about that. We're going to now have to import that stuff from places like Russia, Venezuela, and other countries around the world that aren't exactly as friendly with the United States as we normally are wanting them to be. That's the latest for me for now. I'm Mike of New York, and this has been a Good Friday edition of our podcast.